Oh, God, here we are. We're ready to go. Word of God in front of us. People gathering on the National Mall as we speak right now. Concern for America. Concern for where this nation is headed. Dear God, make sense of Jesus' teaching. We humbly pray in his name. Amen. That's right there on the National Mall right now. Two separate groups who coincidentally chose this day to be the gathering of their followers to pray for a nation. Many are concerned is under judgment. This pandemic, everything. Is America under judgment? I'm talking about divine judgment. I'm talking about, about America. You know, my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, in thee I sing. That's America I'm talking about. Is America under judgment? Is this pandemic a judgment of God on America? My friend Cliff Goldstein wrote a piece this summer in Liberty Magazine. He wrestles with the question. Title of his piece, Avert Wrath, question mark. Subtitle, On God's Wrath Being Poured Out on America. He reminds us that the beloved President Abraham Lincoln, in his second inaugural address, spoke these words. I want you to see them on the screen right now. Abraham Lincoln, fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war, that was the Civil War, still in progress, may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth of this nation, piled by the slaves, 250 years of unrequited, never got a penny for it, toil, even if all that wealth has to be lost, keep going, even if every drop of blood drawn with a taskmaster's lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword and blood was being shed as he spoke. As was said 3,000 years ago, quoting the Old Testament, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. America is under judgment, he said. Is America under judgment right now? This pandemic, the social, racial, economic fracture that has divided this nation, are we under judgment? Jerry Falwell, the late clergyman, Right after September 11, 2001, the Twin Towers tragedy, he announced to the country what was the cause of that tragedy. Let me read it. God allowed the attacks because the United States has become a land of, and I'm quoting him now, pagans, abortionists, feminists, gays, lesbians, the American Civil Liberties Union, and the people for the American way, end quote. We are under judgment because of them. He later apologized to the gays and the lesbians. Is this pandemic a judgment on America? Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary down in Louisville, a city in turmoil today. Brilliant mind. I listen to his podcast. I don't always agree with him, but brilliant. He heard those words of Falwell and he responded, and I don't want you to... hear the wisdom in Moeller's response. There is no doubt that America has accommodated itself to so many sins that we should always fear God's judgment and expect that in due time that judgment will come. 
But we ought to be very careful about pointing to any circumstance or any specific tragedy and say that this thing has happened because this is God's direct punishment, end quote. Very wise counsel. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. So maybe we ought not to be asking the question, is America under divine judgment? We ought to wonder aloud, will America come under divine judgment? I'm going to invite you to go to a chapter most of you have never read in your life, and it's in the Bible. And as soon as you hear the name, everybody says, well, I'm not going to that book. The young prophet Ezekiel, chapter 7. Come on. Could he be speaking even of today? Open your Bible to Ezekiel, chapter 7. It's in the Old Testament. Chapter 7, young prophet in exile. He writes about Israel. There probably has been a preacher or two who has preached about America because of this passage. First time I've ever preached from it. This will get us to the words of Jesus in a split second. Watch this. Verse 1, Ezekiel 7, the word of the Lord came to me, son of, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end. The end has come upon the four corners of the land. The end is now upon you, and I will unleash my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. Drop down to verse 5. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Disaster. Unheard of disaster. See, it comes. The end has come. The end has come. It has aroused itself against you. See, it comes. Drop down to verse 17. Every hand will go limp. Every leg will be wet with urine. That's a rather graphic descri description of the human reaction to fear. Verse 18, they will put on sackcloth and be clothed with terror. Every face will be covered with shame and every head will be shaved. Verse 19, they will throw their silver in the streets. It's not worth anything anymore. And their gold will be treated as a thing unclean. Drop down now to verse 25. When terror comes, key word, they will seek peace in vain. Calamity upon calamity will come, and rumor upon rumor, they will go searching for a vision from the prophet. Priestly instruction in the law will cease. The council of the elders will, will come to an end. The king will mourn, the political leader of the land. The prince will be clothed with despair, and the hands of the people of the land will tremble. My Lord, what is going on here? Mercy. Reminds me of the words of the American prophet. Put them on the screen for you. Transgression has almost reached its limit. Confusion fills the world. And a great terror, that's the key word, you'll hear it again, is soon to come upon human beings. The end is very near. We who know the truth should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming what? Surprise, surprise. Nobody knew it was coming. Nobody knew that would happen. Nobody knew it will be an overwhelming surprise. Boom. What's going on here? A great terror soon to come upon human beings. How did Ezekiel put a calamity upon calamity, rumor after rumor? The hands of the people are trembling. Could this be what Jesus meant? Was he drawing from Ezekiel 7 to make the same sort of prediction for the planet? Ah, check it out. You have read these words so many times, but you never will never have read them the way we'll read them today. Ezekiel 
7 goes to Luke 21. Come on, find Luke 21. Jesus will be dead in, in hours on the cross. Luke 21, red letter words in my Bible. Luke 21, just verses 25 and 26. That's it. Jesus speaking. We're listening. Verse 25, Jesus says, said, speaking of his second coming, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Now, verse 26, people will faint from terror, there's that word again, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now, watch what Jesus does. First, he talks about the, the, the sun, moon, and stars. And then he starts talking about the sea that's in turmoil. And then he quickly goes back to the heavenly bodies. Boom, boom, boom. What's going on here? What is he describing? As a consequence of whatever has just happened on this planet... Did you catch that? The inhabitants of earth, not just this nation now, the whole planet, the inhabitants of earth are thrown into deep, what are the two words? Anguish and perplexity, verse 25, two words. Anguish and perplexity, what's that mean? My friend Marvin Moore, in his book, The Coming Great Calamity, and Marvin has helped me see what I hadn't seen before. Marvin Moore says, you want to take these two words? Let's, let's, let's parse these two words. Anguish, what's that mean? Anguish means this hurts a lot. This is terrible. Oh, anguish, anguish, anguish. What's perplexity? Perplexity is, what do we do now? So you have this hurts a lot. What do we do now? And here's how Marvin Moore puts it on the screen. Anguish and perplexity is what you would feel if you were to come home one night and find your house in flames. Anguish. My Lord. Perplexity. What do I do? What's going to happen to us now? I share all of this with you because when Seventh-day Adventists read the words that we just read from the Lord Jesus, his prediction of signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars before he returns, what we do, and rightfully so, is we review historical events that preceded a final time period that Daniel and Revelation and the Lord Jesus refer to as the time of the end. The time of the end. The Bible refers to it. The time of the end. And we say, well, that's, that's, under, that's understandable. Time of the end. It's the late 1700s, early 1800s, all right? So Jesus said there'll be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And we say, okay, so what that means is that launching this new prophetic, the last prophetic time period, the time of the end, the, 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 the stars will fall. And guess what they did? In uh, The stars fell in November 1833. There'll be a dark day. The sun will go out. The moon will come up that, that night blood red. It did. Old Testament predicted. It did. November. No, no, May. May 19, 1780. And we say, see, that's it. That's what those two verses are all about. Oh, really? Are you serious? Come on, stay with me, stay with me. None of the celestial signs that we just talked about elicited a global response. The key word is global here. Yes, along the eastern seaboard there was that, and yes, over there, there, there in the west, there was that. But none of this was global. None of this was 
worldwide. It was just localized. And yet God used those celestial events to prepare for a revival that would sweep like fire up and down the East Coast. But we say, well, that's it. Jesus, two verses, he's talking about those. Those events are now past. Oh, really? How could they be past? When Jesus, whatever happens with the heavens in its re- re- relationship to the planet, there's going to be anguish and perplexity, a, a, a global panic, if you will, because of what just transpired. Come on, I need you to hang on now. I repeat, the reaction Jesus explicitly predicts of people fainting from terror around the world on what has just transpired on this planet concerns something that comes out of the heavens. There's something, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Something comes out of the heavens, some event, some natural occurrence, which feels terribly unnatural and unexpected, but is so devastatingly cataclysmic that the entire planet is paralyzed and the public panic response that Jesus clearly describes They are apprehensive of, there's going to be more behind this. Something is coming. People fainting from terror. Ladies and gentlemen, what happened at the beginning of this time period will will, will pale, apparently from Christ's own words, before what happens at the end of that time period where we're living right now. Now, stay with me. Don't you get distracted now. Some other sign will come sometime in the future wherein the heavenly bodies will be shaken and the earth will be thrown into global panic. What celestial sign could that possibly be? A sign not at the beginning, but this major sign, global, at the end. What could that sign be? I'm going to take you to a website, planetary.org. Put it on the screen for you. A little bit of history here. In 1998, all right, so that's 22 years ago right now, 1998, the United States Congress directed NASA, that's the National Aeronautic and Space Administration, to initiate what they called Space Guard, an effort to find and track 90% of all near-Earth objects, N-E-O, the acronym, near-Earth objects. What are you talking about? We're talking about comets. We're talking about asteroids. We're talking about meteors, right? They just go, they're they're out there. We all know that. And by the way, we want you to track 90% of all of those objects that are one kilometer. Do you know what, how long a kilometer is? A thousand meters. Okay, a thousand meters. It's got to be a thousand meters or larger. Please track them. And by the way, a kilometer asteroid is mass extinction. Mass extinction because of... And we want you please to do that by 2008. We're going to give you 10 years. Would you please do it? Now, keep the history keeps going. Next slide, please. In 2005, so they haven't gotten to 2008 yet, Congress now has been doing some thinking and further scientific study, and they're saying, no, 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 not 1,000 meters. We want you to shorten it. We want you to find everything 140 meters and longer and mark them down. Tell us where they are, when they're coming, please. And we'll now give you till 2020. Hey, could you go back, please? 90% of them. Just find 90% larger by 2020. Now, please, next slide. Guess what? I got bad news. Only 40% of these objects have been found to date. At current detection rates, it will be another 30 years before NASA meets the goal. Well, don't feel so bad. How old are you? Add 30 to your life. Hey, nothing to worry about. Maybe. 
<laughs> Maybe. Oh, by the way, this is not saying in another 30 years it'll finally happen. No, just get it done in another 30 years. My, 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 what's going on here? What in the world are you talking Dwight, this is all a bunch of gobbledygook, man. Move on. Cut to the chase. All right, I will. I'm talking about asteroids. The preoccupation of the news today, by the way, asteroids. Let me have an asteroid. Ooh. That's not an actual photograph, by the way. That's just an artist's rendition. Everybody knows asteroids. By the way, I got to show this to you. Did, you. did you see this headline? I'm going to hold it up. Maybe the center camera can, can zero in on it. Do you see the headline? Uh, NASA, so they're quoting NASA. We're quoting NASA here. Asteroid headed toward Earth before November election. You know what? That's about all we need on this planet. I mean, just, just send us an asteroid. Come on. This has been a dull, uneventful year. Just give us an asteroid. Give us something to get us juiced up again. <laughs> You can't believe it. And the fact of the matter is, the good news, the asteroid's only two meters long. And so if it comes into the Earth's atmosphere, you go, just burn apart. But I tell you the truth, on Thursday, I sit down to write this homily. On Thursday, I find out that that very day in the morning, before I began to write, Asteroid 2020 SW, estimated to be about between four four and a half to ten meters in diameter, whizzed by the Earth and, get this, got within 17,500 miles of us. You say, Dwight, that's really far out. Guess what? We have satellites out there circling the Earth farther than that. So it came inside the satellite belt. It got that close. (laughs) Wow. But for me, the paradigm shifter, the game changer... Because I've been reflecting on this for, for uh, ever since 1997. Marvin Moore shared a paper that he'd written unpublished. I read that paper. It's in my file. And I've just been brooding over that. Could it happen here? The game changer for me was on uh, February 15, 2013. It was a Friday morning. I'm down in my study when I get the word that there has been an explosion near the Russian city of Chelyabinsk. And some of you remember this. The eyewitness news accounts reported a streaking asteroid captured on multiple dash cams. They, they were having carjackings in that region, and so the, the, uh, the, car, the, the owners would mount these dash cams, and it was before sunrise, and so all these dash cams recorded it. You can go on YouTube and see them. Just it's the same asteroid. The asteroid was only 20 meters long, but it entered Earth's atmosphere at a speed of 42,900 miles an hour. Boom. It exploded with a blast yield of 400 to 500 kilotons of TNT, which is 30 times the energy of the Hiroshima atomic bomb, my homeland where I was born. 30 times that atomic bomb, that A-bomb. That little, that little 20 meter. A hundred years earlier, in the same land of Russia, now in eastern Siberia, June 30, 1908, an asteroid now known as the Tunguska asteroid, estimated now to, be, to have been perhaps 65 meters in length, still under the 140, exploded over eastern Siberia with a 15 megaton blast, which is 1,000 Hiroshima A-bombs simultaneously. 80 million trees. They got pictures of them. Just flat over, what, uh, 830 square miles. Now, let me just share this with you because there are scientists in this room. 
There are two interesting uh, realities about the, these two over-Russia asteroids. Reality number one, get this, they were too small, 20 meters and 65 meters, to ever have been spotted by, the U, by NASA, which, looking, which is looking for 140 meters over. They never would have been, nobody's looking for them. Nobody's looking for these small ones. And, and yet look at the damage they did. That's the other factoid. Tiny little asteroid. Astronomers es estimate, may I continue, there are 2 million 30-meter and larger asteroids in the solar system with only 18,000 of them identified at the present time. The rest are just circling. And here's another little caveat. The only way you can identify an asteroid is with a lens. You cannot radar it. You cannot radar it. It has to be seen. NASA has now mounted a telescope and it's circulating out there, the NEO, the NEO Surveillance Mission Telescope. And it's just looking. Snap, 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 snap. See anything different from last, yesterday's pictures? Snap, snap. Desperately looking for what might come upon us. And one more caveat. If they come from out of the sun, you will never see them. Too bright. You, can't look it up. you look at the sun, you'll never see them. And guess what? The closest one just came in August. August, they named the asteroid 2020 QG flying at 7.7 miles per second, coming out of the sun, approached the earth and blew past us at 4.08 universal time. That's early in the morning. And you know how far it was away? Only 1,831 miles from us. In fact, it got so close, earth's gravity, and you look at the charts, pulled it and the trajectory of the asteroid just went shh, shh. Different trajectory. It got that close. And you know when they found out about it? Six hours after it came. Too late. Too late. What are you trying to do? Do I scare me? No, I'm not trying to scare you. The point is, this really is rocket science. In fact, a group of scientists, they're calling themselves the B612 Foundation. On their website, you will find it today, this one sentence. It's 100% certain we'll be hit by a devastating asteroid, but we're not 100% certain when. Well, I find that very helpful. I don't know about you, but I just, you know, I was getting worried about these crazy asteroids. There's nothing. That's where science is right now. I'm not belittling science. It's science that's trying to wake us up. All it would take to fulfill Jesus' startling prophecy of, glo of a global panic because the powers of the heavens have been shaken is a single celestial event. One asteroid undetected until too late or perhaps never detected at all slams into this terrestrial ball that is home. You don't need to know science, to understand that if the Tagunska 
the, the asteroid, or even the other, the, the little mini one, 66 feet long, 20 meters, if it had landed in a, an urban area, in fact, they estimate that if the Tagunska asteroid struck just rural America now, 70,000 people, just like that, gone, and billions of dollars of damage. If it lands in New York, Chicago, L.A., I mean, this is the stuff of Hollywood. If it lands there, we're talking millions of deaths. Let's say there were two that hit rather close together. What would happen on this planet? Ladies and gentlemen, this is not rocket science now. This is, this is just thinking. Can you understand that the human race would itself panic? Jesus describes it. They, how did he put it here? Well, let's, let's read the two verses again. This is Luke 21, verse 25. Jesus speaking, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. That's not the second coming of Christ, by the way, because they're anticipating even more. This isn't like, oh, here's Jesus, Let's, uh, that, that must be it. No, whatever's happened could keep on happening. And people are panicked. And if, it, and if you determine it is an act of God, you know these people that are praying on the National Mall right now, they'll have a lot to be praying for then. Because if this is an act of God, guess what? We are under judgment, and this whole baby is coming to an end unless we get God to reverse his mind. Guys, you can get there from here. Do you understand that? And what you thought would take months now happens overnight. Why? Because we just got hit by an asteroid. Do you understand, sir? You got a problem with that? No. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But, oh, man, I'm trying to awaken somebody. You can't keep dealing with this life. I know you're 18. I can see that. I know you're in your early 20s. Good for you. I'm proud of you. But I'm telling you, you can't just go on living as if life is going to go on forever and ever. Amen. It won't. This country is already on a trajectory. It will not be stopped. Please. Jesus is coming soon. Man, oh man. Put that quote up again, please. Uh, from Ellen White. Transgression has almost reached its limit. Confusion fills the world and a great terror is soon to come upon human beings. The end is very near. We who know the truth should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. How better to describe an asteroid? I'm not saying that she's describing an asteroid. I'm not. I'm not saying that what I've shared with you, in fact, is rock solid, that we're just locked into this. But I am saying that you, what if we were? What if it is true? Jesus is not describing the falling of the stars. I'm sorry. Something else will explode across the earth and the entire population will panic with terror. Now, you figure it out. You figure it out. You think. Watch. Hear. Think. Do you think God gets joy out of this? He gets no joy. Do you think God gets joy out of watching the fracturing, the racial, socioeconomic fracturing in America? He gets some kind of pleasure out, out of it? Are you kidding? 
You think this pandemic has brought heaven joy? The, the devil invents the pandemic and then and heaven gets joy out of it? Well, finally getting these children's attention. You, you, are you kidding? Do you think that devastating hurricane, the ravaging floods that followed it, was some sort of pleasure moment for the kingdom of God in the universe watching this planet get pummeled calamity after calamity after calamity? Do you think God says, well, who cares? Love can become so desperate that it cares. C.S. Lewis was absolutely right. When God, when, when, we, when we experience uh, prosperity, God whispers. When we experience pain, God with his megaphone shouts. Love can be so desperate that in order to awaken human beings from the stupor of their lethargy, a page is torn out of a playbook that the human race has never seen before. You going to blame God for that? Are you kidding? He's not trying to scare you. He's trying to waken you up. One more quote. Calamities will come. Same author. Calamities will come. Calamities most awful, most unexpected. The title of this homily. And these destructions will follow, boom, 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 like planes at O'Hare runway. Keep going. But if men and women who have been deceived continue in the same way in which they have been walking and living as if they had forever, disregarding the law of God and presenting falsehoods, teachers presenting falsehoods before the people, keep reading, God allows them to suffer calamity. He allows it that their senses may be, what's the word, awakened. Hey, do you remember when we used to stay in hotels? Huh? Those were the days, weren't they? They actually made your bed. Now you got to make your own bed. The last time I stayed in a hotel was in the month of February. I'm in Pennsylvania. It was wonderful. But you know what? When you've got an early morning flight out from wherever you are, and, it, and it's usually the flight going home that you don't want to miss. I don't mind missing the one going, hey, folks, I just couldn't make it, missed the plane. But going home, man, I'm so jazzed and ready to get back to Karen and life here. So that I don't, I don't trust this little iPhone in my hip pocket. So you know what I do? I do something else. Just as insurance, I call down to the front desk, and do you know what I request? Tell me what I request. I request a wake-up call. <laughs> that way I will not sleep. I will not sleep through this alarm. Do you understand me? That ringing phone will make sure I wake up. Oh, mercy, I got to get going. We are experiencing today a wake-up call from the Almighty Himself. This pandemic is not a little something or other. This pandemic is, is to awaken the human race. If I can get the whole world in a series of days, how do you suppose I could get the world in one minute? Jesus just told us how. Wake-up call. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm trying to wake us up. Oh, Ellen White wrote a one-sentence one prayer. I have it written in my Bible. God of heaven, wake us up. Six words long. God of heaven, wake us up. Hey, let's, let's repeat that prayer together out loud in your mask. God of heaven, wake us up. Come on. God of heaven, wake us up. She wrote that prayer desperate as she was. I'm desperate. God is desperate. We're running out of time, and we're acting as if we have forever. Manana, manana. 
Not now. Not now. One day I'll choose Jesus. One day I'll give my life fully to him. Not now. I got a lot to live. You are crazy. You don't have manana. I want to ask you something. How many not nows do you think you have left? No, I'm serious. How many not nows do you have left? Hey, listen, give me your death date. Just give me your death date. I was in the home of a family grieving over one dead right there this morning. How many? When's your death date coming? Just give me the date. You can't do it, can you? You cannot do it. If you're 18, you can't do it. If you're 88, you can't do it. Why? Because we don't know. I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to awaken you. You cannot keep living life at this tepid, lethargic pace. Something has to change, and it has to be you asking for that change. Jesus is coming soon. There will be a generation like the flood that will have heard it but said, nah, too late. If Jesus were to come tonight, would you be ready? You say, well, listen, I'm going to live till Jesus comes. Okay, be my guest. But if he were to come tonight, would you be ready? That's what I'm talking about. You can't keep putting this off. Ralph Carmichael a great composer, a few years ago, wrote a wonderful song. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Hours after Jesus spoke these words, he's hanging on Calvary. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are a friend of God in that balcony. You are a friend of God watching alumni on, online today. You are a friend of God sitting up here in the front of the church. You are a friend of God. Jesus laid down his life for you. God has demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You are loved, my man. You are loved today to the max. How's that line go? See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Everything's ready for you. All Jesus needs is for you to say, yes, Lord. I didn't know I was going to be in church today, but that guy's got me thinking. Yes, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. You may have me. And I'll do whatever you ask of me. And the, the only thing he would ever ask of you is what you would want if you could see the whole story from his vantage point. He loves you. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. I know they're calling this an alumni homecoming. It doesn't feel like alumni homecoming, but we'll call it that. You're watching. used to be on this campus. Got an email this week from somebody who said, we were coming back for our golden jubilee anniversary class, and now we have to watch online. My apologies. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is coming soon. I've asked Chuck Reed, my friend, to sing this song. It's just, it's just, it's a powerful song. And you know what? He may be singing the words to you. I don't know. But he may be singing the words to you. Listen, please. Why? 
Oh, if we could have, if we could have an altar call right now, and this pandemic would allow it, I'd be, I'd be just saying, hey, you got to come out of that pew. You got to come down here right now. Jesus is ready. He just spoke to you through that song. You know that. He's ready for you. But we can't do it. I want you to go to our, go to our uh, connect card. Let's put it on the screen, please. This is pmchurch.org slash connect. Come on, we're going to sing one more stanza. Chuck is. But go to that uh, connect card. There's a next step you can take right now. Just make sure we have your email address. We'll be back in touch with you electronically. There's, uh, put, the, put the next steps up. Box number one, I want to come back to my Savior. You may have been with the Savior when you were here at Andrews University a long time ago. You may be here at Andrews University for the first time in your life because you're a student here. It doesn't matter to God and it doesn't matter to me. Come back to Him. You grew up in a home where Jesus was front and center. Come back to Him. There's no point in waiting. There's no point in putting it off. Put a check mark right there, and if you'll put your email address, you give us a chance to just shoot a message to you telling you we're cheering you on. But make the decision in here. Let's listen to that last stanza. Maybe this is the one where he's singing to me. If you'll take one step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. Receive him, and all of your darkness will end. Within your heart he'll abide. Time after time he has waited before, and now he is waiting again to see. That second box is there because some of you have not been baptized. You've been waiting for a convenient time. Well, I'll do it after the pandemic. Or I'll do it the next time there's a week of prayer at the university. Or I'll do it when I retire. Why would you put it off? We're out of time. We just have today, today, today until Jesus comes. If you put a check mark there, I want to be baptized into Christ, and you put an email address on the other side, we'll be in touch with you. Now, if you live locally, and this is only locally, and you also put a cell phone so that we could be in verbal communication with you, that would be hugely helpful. But you want to do only the email, we'll do the email back. Why not? Just hit send now. Just hit send. Put your name, the email address. Don't put it off. Let's stand together. Let's stand together for our closing prayer. Oh God, we lift up our hearts to you. These moments in the Word, the Spirit was here. 
We want to be obedient to whatever you wish. Jesus is coming soon. It isn't even rocket science. We want to be that friend that Jesus called us before he laid down his life for us. We want him as our friend. We want the Father our friend, the Spirit our friend forever and ever. Take our decisions that are being made right now. As far as this electronic signal is reaching right now, be with the man, the woman, the teenager at this moment struggling over a decision that you're calling them to make. We hear you. One day we'll see you. But till then, dear Jesus, hold us close. In your mighty name, let all the worshipers say, Amen and Amen.